um, to go to a new place with God. Amen. I mean, it's it's not enough. This isn't enough where we're at right now. You know, we what I, I I feel like I know that there is so much more. There's so much more that God has for each one of us here, and He's equipped us and He's given us the direction, and we want to go after that. We want to pursue this thing where He has obtained us for. That he got us born again for a purpose, not to just shine us up and put us on a shelf, but there's a purpose for us. You know, yesterday I had the opportunity at the, that um, gathering to share the gospel, and I went home and I just wasn't satisfied. I was just like, Lord, it just didn't do, I, I'm sorry, it didn't represent you as well as I wanted to. That's how I felt about it, you know. I just, you know, I, there, was, there was distraction going on, and I could tell that there was an anointing there, but he didn't really bring it to the place I wanted to be. And I look at, you know, people that are anointed by the Holy Spirit, and to bring the message in, and then bring it to a conviction and bring it to a place where people are convicted in their hearts and says, man, I need Jesus. Just like what we saw on the day of Pentecost, where Peter brought the full counsel and he says, and you by your lawless hands have crucified Jesus of Nazareth. And they said, what do we do? What, what, what do we do? He says, repent and believe and you will be saved. Be saved from this perverse generation. And you will uh, gain eternal life. And not only that, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because this promise is to you and as many as God would call. Echoing unto this church service right here. That these promises were made thousands of years ago. Were prophesied to come. The Holy Spirit impartation. The power of God residing within the body of Christ. Into us individually as with the body of Christ collectively. Christ is the head. We're the body. We're the members. Together we have a fuller um, manifestation of who Christ is. When we are in one accord when we work together, when we love one another, there's no limitations on what God can do through this congregation, to the body of Christ, to the church of Jesus Christ. No limitations. We have not yet seen what God wants to do. Eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God would reveal to those who love him. There's so much more for us. And empowered by his Holy Spirit. I want to read this scripture. This is in the Gospel of Luke. What I'm doing is, I'm... I'm tethering the message that the Lord, I believe, gave to me to the scriptures so that when we see this, that it's not unfamiliar, it's not strange, but this is the word of God and this is what he intends for his church from the beginning. And um, this is about Jesus' baptism. So uh, John the Baptist was the one who baptized Jesus. You remember the story, he comes in there and he goes, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. But he goes, in order to fulfill all righteousness, let it be so. So he submitted to that. John the Baptist allows, I mean, uh, Jesus allows John the Baptist, his cousin, to baptize him as he goes down into the water. You hear the voice from the Father that says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the form of a dove alighted upon him. So we have a picture of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You have Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit represented by a dove, and the voice from heaven, which is the Father. And so we see that. And um, if we go into chapter 3, verse 16, it says, John answered, saying to you, I indeed baptize with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. 
So it's just like, whoa, he's baptizing for the uh, baptism of remission of sin. But he says there's another baptism that's coming. It's the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit, which is what I'm promised, the Holy Spirit and fire. And so that's sort of a, a touch point to the gospel message. And it goes on if we turn to Luke 11, uh, chapter, uh, verse 9. Let me read from verse 5. It says, this is in chapter 11 of Luke's gospel. It says in verse 5, he says, And he said to them, Which of you, having a friend, and to go to him at midnight, saying to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me and his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are I are in, uh, with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So this persistent neighbor says, man, I just had somebody to come over. I got nothing in my house. Goes to the neighbor, starts pounding on the door. I need some food. I need to put some food out for this guy. Come on, man. It's already late. We're in bed. And he just keeps pounding on the door, pounding on the door, pounding on the door. And he goes, all right, what do you need, man? I got three loaves of Komoda bread. Boom, here, gives it to him. <sighs> now I can go back to sleep. So it's this persistence, right? This, this illustration of persistence. And then it goes on. So I say to you, verse 9, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from his father amongst you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if you ask for an egg, will he offer you a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's an amazing thing that he's saying there. That if, you know, we might say, oh, I hear stories about people, oh Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit, and nothing happens. I want evidence of speaking in tongues, and nothing happens. I remember I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on me. I was speaking in tongues. And then it went latent. I figured, oh, okay, that just was a one-time thing. You know, that happened. And then I'm reading the scriptures. I go, wow, I have the Holy Spirit within me that I can speak in tongues whenever I want to. I can edify my, build myself up in the Spirit. And so when I came back to the Lord, I was just like, I'm going to just do this. And so I'm driving in my car because it feels kind of foolish to, you know, be doing this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And then, boom, you, it's like riding a bicycle. You have to do something. You have to do something. You can't just say, okay, it's going to hit me like a bolt of lightning and it's just going to come out of me. You have to give place to it. You have to give your tongue. But when it happens, you realize this isn't me making this up. There's something going on here, but I'm a participant. I'm in control of it, but there's something uh, uh, the Holy Spirit within me is giving you these syllables that are coming out of your mouth. And we're going to see what purpose this has later on. But it's a powerful gift. 
And, and you know, it says, well, I'm afraid of that. I, I, is it going to be a weird thing? And he says here, if we're asking the Father for this gift, he's not going to give us something that we're not asking for. Amen? That's what he just said. If you ask for this, ask for a dig, I'm not going to give you a, a scorpion. You ask for this, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So here it is in red in my Bible, Jesus talking about this gift of the Holy Spirit. The Father knows how to give good gifts to his children. Amen? He knows what we need. He knows he's crafted us. He's uh, forming us. He's making us into his image. And he knows uh, exactly what we need. Now, going into the book of Acts here, you know, in the book of Acts, if you want to know about the operation of the Holy Spirit, read the book of Acts. It's just full of this. It's, it's talking about it's in the Holy Spirit's inception within the church, the passing of the torch. Jesus says, wait and, and uh, tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. I'm going to give you this. And they did. And the Holy Spirit came. And it was just like a rushing mighty wind. And there was tongues of fire over their heads. That said, he was baptized them with power and with the Holy Spirit and fire, tongues of fire over their heads. The passion and the burning, you know, this, this, the boldness of the, this, uh, the apostles who before that they're hiding out in a back room and then the Holy Spirit comes on them. And next thing you know, they're preaching in front of this multitude of people at the temple and 3000 people get saved anointed with the power of God, anointed with the ability of God, anointed with the words of God, and it was an effective ministry that this thing just went forth from them, and they did this. Amen? Um, Book of Acts. This is the, you know, it's kicking into gear. Now these guys are going out, and they're preaching all over. You know, they first they went from Jerusalem, and then outside to Judea. Then they went to Samaria, to the Samaritans, and then to the regions of the um, Mediterranean. And it says to the other most parts of the world, eventually it went that far. And eventually it came all the way to Hawaii. We know that this gospel message came here and had a great effect on the people of Hawaii. Um, you know, one of the things that I shared at, at this memorial was, I remember, uh, those of you who have been with us that long will remember when Graydon was here, and he came up one time and he was very um, passionate. And he says, you know what the word aloha means? It's aloha. And it means the presence of God and the breath, the presence of God is here. And he was making, you know, some of you probably remember that. I remember it left an impression on me that he was so uh, enamored that he came to this realization. And so I go, is that accurate? And I looked it up. I looked up the word and I go, that's absolutely perfect what he said. It was perfect. The thing that I didn't know, the origin, the orig, origin of the word aloha is traced back to about 1800s around that area. What happened back then? The great revival, the missionaries bringing the gospel. Before that, the Hawaiians lived under what was called the kapu system. Not a lot of aloha in that. You know, you step out of line of the kapu, you eat the wrong thing, you're in the shadow of one of the elites. They had guys behind there with clubs and beat you to death. Uh, not a whole lot of aloha there. But there was such a transformation of the people of Hawaii that their nature, they wrote it into their law. It's written into Hawaii's law that aloha needs to be taken into consideration making laws. I think our politicians need to review that part. But to, to the, the betterment of the people, the, 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 the good of the people is the laws. There should be in that vein. And that's the effect that the gospel had here in Hawaii this Aloha. Um, so this message went out to the world. Now in this early church, 
They didn't know. It's like, okay, this is a Jewish thing. It's a Jewish Messiah. In fact, if you're going to get, you know, you're going to get grafted into this thing, we're considering right now, are you going to have to get circumcised? You're going to have to follow the law. We're, we're still debating on all these things on how it's going to run. In fact, in the book of Acts, there's a story where Peter was, um, he was at a, a, about noontime and he went there and he had this vision. And he saw this sheet get dropped down from the heavens. And there was all these animals, clean and unclean, just boom, dropped down in front of him. It's like he's an open vision. His eyes, whoa, what is this? And then it happened three times, three times. And then the voice from heaven said, Peter, uh, kill and eat. And he says, not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything unclean. And so he says, hey, I want you to listen. Somebody's coming, and I want you to just follow the Holy Spirit. So he says um, about this, he says he listened to the Holy. When you read the book of Acts, they were being led of the Holy Spirit. We want to go here? No. The Holy Spirit resists. He says, no, I don't want you going there. I want you going here instead. So these people are being led of the Holy Spirit. So he has this vision. And he says that, you know, you're going to be summons to this guy. These people are going to come. So let me pick up this story. This is in Acts 10. And I'm going to read from verse 17. It says, while Peter was wondering with himself what this vision, what he had seen meant, behold, men who had been sent from Cornelius and made inquiry of Simon's house. And they stood before the gate. And they called and they asked, where is Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging? While Peter thought about the vision of the Spirit, said to him, Behold, three men are, are seeking you. So the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Three guys are looking for you. It has to do with this vision you just had. Um, Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said to them, Yes, I am whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation amongst the nation of the Jews is divinely instructed by the holy uh, by a holy angel to summons you to his house and to hear the words from you and when he invited them in and he lodged with them on the next day Peter went with, away with them for some brethren from, for, uh, from Joppa accompanied him so he's following this lead. This is kind of outside of my comfort zone. Uh, this is kind of even going against my Jewishness to even have you guys come into this house and to be interacting with you this way. And so the story goes on. And I'm going to drop down to verse 30, 34. He eventually, Peter does go uh, to their house. He's invited in. His family is there. A bunch of friends are there. And, and Cornelius is, is interested in this. He goes, man, he's a just man. He gave alms to the poor. He prayed. And then this is what the, it says, where Peter begins his ministry here in verse 34. And Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whomever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I remember when Pope John Paul died, that they quoted that first part of the scripture there because they wanted to be very ecumenical in a world scene. It says, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him, period. They stop there. But the scripture goes on and it says, the word which God had sent um, in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all. That wouldn't be so acceptable on a world stage in an ecumenical uh, audience. I remember the funeral. The word which you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, 
and began from Galilee after the baptism of John preach how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Do you know that's God's will for us in the church? Isn't that what Jesus said? I want you to do this. I want you to be endued with power. I want you to cast out devils. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to bring sight to the blind. I want you to um, bind the enemy and his works in this world. That's what God has conferred upon us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, through the power and anointing, through the blood of Jesus and the work, finished work of the cross. And we are his witnesses of all these things we just did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. We're going we're gonna to see the gospel is encrypted within here. It's within this statement right here. This is the gospel. The gospel is in 1 Corinthians 15. It always entails the, be- the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's always there. Whom he killed, hanging on a tree, verse 40. Him God raised up in that day and showed him openly, not to all peoples, but uh, witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. The gospel. They're hearing this gospel. They're hearing the story. But within that um, thing that I just read is contained the gospel message. Those three elements are there. He says, and he commanded us to preach to the people and testify that it is he who is ordained by God, the judge of all the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness through him in his name. Whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sin. While Peter... While Peter was speaking, those words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those who were of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God and Peter answers, can anyone forbid water that there should not, these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and they asked him to stay a few days powerful man he didn't even get finished i mean he didn't even give an altar call he didn't even say do you guys hear what i'm saying do you guys want to get saved he says while he's speaking the holy spirit's like yes 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 just share the gospel boom he hits him with the baptism of the holy spirit right there and he goes these are gentiles what are we supposed to do now i guess they're saved like us i guess that's god's intention Amen? This is what the story is saying right here. This was a real crossroads in the church. This was, this was the evidence. that This is irrefutable evidence. This is God's endorsement upon this. Because he's going to get heat for this. We're going to see. We'll read on in the story. Now, uh, verse uh, chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brethren and the Gentiles uh, received the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, there were, uh, uh, those of the circumcision, which are the Jews, contended with him, saying, You went into the uncircumcised men and ate with them? And Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and I was in a trance and a vision. A sheet was let down four times in the four corners it came down. And he uh, observed it. And intently and consider I saw four footed animals of the earth and beasts of creep things birds of the air and I heard a voice to them it says rise Peter kill and eat and I said not so Lord for nothing common or unclean is at any time in my mouth for the voice answered me again from heaven what God has cleansed you must not call common 
Now three times this was done, and it was drawn up again to the heaven. That very moment, three men stood before the house, and it was having been sent to me from, from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me, the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house, and he told us how he had seen an angel standing by his house, and he said, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. We will tell you by the words by which we tell all the household to be saved. And it began to speak, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as it did to us at the beginning, talking about the day of Pentecost. And he remembered the words of the Lord, and he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was, who was I that I could withstand God? Then they heard these things. They became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. This was the evidence to them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that they did, a lot of times you read these accounts where the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they said they spoke with new tongues and they prophesied. Those are the two, there are two of the many gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that today uh, when we do this gift testing. These things are entailed within that. There are several portions of scripture that talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the purpose. Why? What for? What comes with this? But wait, there's more. There's, there's speaking in tongues. There's interpretation of tongues. There's gifts of healing. There's miracles. There's um, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. There's ministry. There's service. There's giving. There's all these gifts that, boom, he, just, he lavishes us with these gifts. We didn't earn it. He just gave it to us. And we can desire to be endowed with even more gifts. It says if we don't prophesy, it says you want gifts. Pursue gifts. He's not saying don't do it, but he says pursue with the intention of service for the overall goodness and the edification of the body. That's within these chapters in Corinthians that I can go to, that it talks about these gifts, this whole listing of gifts, or not the whole, but a partial listing of the gifts. And he goes, but I'm going to show you even a more excellent way than that. These are important, and it's not to minimize these things, but the reason and the a reason why we want it is important. And he throws chapter 13 in the middle of there and he says, if we don't have love, all this stuff means nothing. But he's not discounting the gifts. He's saying, well, just chuck the gifts and just go after love. He's saying, no, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. I want you to pursue this. I want you to operate in that. But remember why you're doing it. That's the context right there. That's the context of that. Amen. Um, let's go to Acts 11. We're close to there. Oh, we did that already. Sorry. Uh, Romans 12. This is another listing. Romans 12. We just went through Romans 12 in the Bible study, and we came across this. And this is a partial listing of some of the gifts. I keep asking my wife to her frustration. How many of the gifts are in the test? <laughs> Sorry. Because there's a whole bunch. There's, there's a listing here, and then there's, you know, I have uh, 7 in Romans 12, and then Rome, uh, 1 Corinthians there's 9, and then Ephesians there's 5, but then there's other little hints here and there through the scripture where there's other gifts that are contained. I remember when David came, he kind of racked my brain. He goes, how many gifts of the Spirit are there? And I go, uh, uh, 12? And he goes, no, there's 9. And I go, yeah, in that portion of scripture there's 9, but there's other places that talk about different gifts for different purposes also. Amen? Uh, if we go to chapter 12 of Romans, 
uh, verse 6, it says, Having gifts differing according to the grace which was given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to faith. So prophecy and faith go together. Um, I hear of, you know, people who are stepping out in that gift. And I've, you know, I can, I can attest to that. That sometimes when you lay in hands or you're praying for somebody and you're like, wow, give me a word, Lord, for these persons. And then sometimes just an image will come up in your mind, a, a vision. That's kind of how I prophesy. And then it might be just a weird vision, something. And I go, okay, this is what I see. And then as you're speaking it out, the Lord would add to it. I might, or there's sometimes there's a, just a word that comes to you, just a, a word. And you go, I'm going to step out. I mean, and you, you open up your mouth and you speak and God starts filling you with words at that point because you're exercising faith in proportion to the ability to prophesy. Everything of God's kingdom, his economy is determined by faith, right? It's like, I'm not going to say anything. That's weird. Or sometimes you have a, a, it's a hard word. And you're like, I can't say that. My wife is very good at this. She goes, I got to do it because I, I keep hearing the Holy Spirit telling me and I'm going to do it. And she does. And I know that the Lord can trust her with a word because she'll say it. And, and you, you, some, you know, sometimes it might be a hard word, but it's something somebody needed to hear. And they hear it and they're like, wow, you know. And they, you can deal with that, right? She operates more in the, in the prophetic than I do, you know, in that realm. But this is the listing here. It says, let us prophesy, and if prophecy in proportion to our faith if, or ministry, let us use us in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives. So giving is also a gift. You can give beyond you can give uh, hilariously, you can give lavishly, and it's considered a gift that God had gave you the ability to do that. With liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let our love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So there's one partial listing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If we go on, if we uh, go into 1 Corinthians... Hallelujah. This is probably where these things are discussed with the most meat is in 1 Corinthians. We all know about the church of Corinth, that they were considered a real um, fleshly church. Everybody harshes the church of Corinthians. They're fleshly. They were having love feasts after the church. Like we're going to have a, a, a meal after the service today. In the Bible, they would call those love feasts. But back in the day, you would bring your own stuff over there. And it says more people are just, I'm eating what I brought. Boom, just eating. And they used to bring wine to these things. I'm drinking all my wine. Next thing he goes, man, you guys are drinking uh, and and you're eating and you're not sharing your food with these other people. You're getting drunk. Do you think this honors the Lord? What are you doing? And it was just a real, you know, kind of operating in the flesh. And he was correcting this thing. But they did have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they were operating in the gifts. And they had, uh, or they wanted to know, how do you do this properly? And so in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, this is what Paul says. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Who wants to be ignorant? We don't want to be ignorant. Ignorant is kind of an offensive word to us, but all ignorance means is you're uninformed. We don't know. I don't know. I never heard. You got to tell me. That's it. We don't want to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. You were carried about away by these dumb idols or mute idols. They were full-on idol, uh, idol worshipers not too long. Then they received the gospel. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole new way of life. 
You know, a whole new way of doing things. Um, Therefore, I make known to you, verse 3, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Interesting. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the Spirit manifests Himself in different ways. In fact, in chapter 11 of Isaiah's Gospel, there are seven spirits. If you read the book of Revelation, it said there are seven spirits of God before the throne. Seven spirits. And he talks about it in chapter 11. Uh, spirit of wisdom, spirit of might, spirit of counsel, and it goes on. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So these gifts are conferred upon the church for what purpose? For the benefit of the whole to the building up of the body, to the edification of one another. We use our gifts that we have to build up the body. It's not to look, you know, say, well, look at me, aren't I good? I can do this. No, it's to, you know, a praise and worship team. They're talented, they're gifted in musical ability so that they can bless this church so we can get to a, a state of worship here. Amen? The same God who works all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Wisdom is a good thing. Wisdom is a good thing. You remember Solomon's prayer when he got the kingdom? God really was blessed by that request. He went off the rails at some point, but he did ask for wisdom. It says that Solomon was the wisest man in the world. And he goes, because you didn't ask me, Solomon, for wisdom, and you didn't ask me for the blood of your enemies or the, the, the life of your enemies, but you asked me for this because you wanted to lead these people well, I'm going to give you wealth on top of that. So he was the wisest as well as the wealthiest man that ever walked in the earth until Jesus showed up. He says that they would be rebuked because the queen of Sheba went from Africa to come to talk to Solomon to find out whether this wisdom was what she thought it was. And Jesus said about himself, and yet one wiser than Solomon is in your midst and you don't even recognize it. So wisdom is a good thing. Word of wisdom to another, a spirit, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge, something that you have no, I don't know, where did this come? God just gave me this understanding here. Word of knowledge. Through the same spirit to another faith. We all have faith. But here it's talking about a gift of faith. Something above and beyond. That God would gift us with faith. Gifts of, uh, by the same spirit uh, to another. The gift of healing by the same spirit to another. Working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another different kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. But one of the same Spirit works these things, distributes to each one individually as He wills. So He distributes these gifts to the body of Christ as He wills. It says in Ephesians that before He ascended on high, He says that you know that that He uh, or He first He descended into the lower parts of there, and then He ascended on high and He gave gifts to men, and then He lists the gifts of the uh, apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So that's another five that's gifted to the body of Christ. Is these people for the work and for the preparing of the church for the work of the uh, the ministry. So these offices are always for a function. There's, these gifts are always for a function. We're preparing the church to do the work of the ministry. This is what the Holy Spirit's intention is by giving us these gifts. And um, 
we just pray, you know, it goes on in here, and, it, and it's kind of throw it into a more of a context. In verse 12, it says, For the body is one, it has many members, but all members are of that one body. So that being illustrative of we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We get our orders from the head. And the body works these things out. And he does, we do what the Lord's bidding is. For by one, the, uh, one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. The body of Christ and this mystery that talks about in the book of Ephesians is a compilation of Jews who now are believers in Christ, baptized in the Holy Spirit, as well as Gentiles, composed in one body, um, manifesting God's glory and what His will is in the earth at this time. For in fact, the body is not one many member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is there therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not of the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Now God has set the members, uh, members, each one of them in their body, just as he pleased. And there were one member where they would be, uh, would be the body. But how now indeed are many members of one body, yet the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker or necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on those bestow greater honor than unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division within the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. So he's given us just a, a kind of an illustration of the body, going through the parts, just because I'm, I'm of the eye, I'm an eye, and I'm not an ear, or I'm an ear and not an eye, doesn't mean I'm not. No, each person has been placed in the body for the function of the overall goodness of that particular body. Does that make sense? I hope I didn't confuse that too much. But that's the intention. He's given us gifts so that we can function together as the body of Christ. You know, we have um, many different areas. You know, uh, this morning, uh, when one part is missing, one body part is missing, it has an effect on the overall. You know, this morning, you know, there's people that have uh, volunteered to work in the nursery. That's a real obscure ministry. Let's face it. You're on the other side of the building with the little kids over there. You know what I believe when I read this? It says, those menial ministries, those ones that aren't up front and in the, you know, in the limelight are going to be rewarded much more. Because that's an opportunity to serve the Lord. Not for a claim, not to stand in front of everybody and speak, but because you love the Lord. And it's something that God esteems very highly. To teach the children. To do these things. I mean, they're important things. And if somebody didn't take my wife's place, then she would be in there. And I'd be missing my wife here praying as I preach the word. So you see how that all it all works together. As if somebody takes out the trash, or if I got to take out the trash, whatever. You know, we can all work together for the betterment of the whole. And in in my understanding of this, the more menial the task, the better, <laughs> right? Because he said that he said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant. So when somebody asks you to do something, I'm that's, I'm not going to do that. Like my wife said one time, what if Jesus asked you to do it? Would you do it? Of course I would do it. <laughs> 
she said she was working at uh, Island, Heri or Island Heritage and she was transitioning out and somebody left the thing a mess and the boss says, Gretchen, you got to go down there and sort that thing out. She goes, "That's I didn't make this mess. Somebody else did this. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, it's not my job. That's not my job. And then the Lord spoke to her through the Holy Spirit in her heart. If I asked you to do that, would you do it? Yes, Lord. You know what? I'm going to go clean that thing up. Amen? Those things are highly rewarded, man. Because it goes against the flesh. It goes against our pride. And God's watching. Are you willing to do it now and nobody's watching? Are you willing to do it in the background? You know, those are the things that are, I think they're highly esteemed in God's kingdom is in economy. Amen. And so I'm going to leave it there uh, for this, this uh, Sunday. But there's a lot to say about these things, about the gifts and the impartation of the gifts and the operation of the gifts and the purposes. It goes on in these chapters. It really starts to clarify some things on the proper use. It says that let these things be done in the body of Christ decently and orderly. But a lot of times we're so decent and orderly that nothing happens. But if we understand the function of this, we can do this in, in the way that God intended and see it and the enrichment of this whole body. And that's what we're aiming for right now. It's a merger between spirit and truth. And we track between there and we'll see the power of God hit this place like we've never seen before. Amen? Let's pray.